Hello and welcome to another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure, the honour, the duty to serve my partner in crime, my co-host James. Hello there. And this week's no exception as we roll into another episode. This podcast has taken on big topics. It's taking on themes and films and ask questions. What makes it great? What makes it good? What makes it avoidable? Sometimes we do generic reviews and what's out, what's new, what's hot, what's new to streaming services. Every now and again, we do a deep dive into an actor, a director, a producer, or even a catalogue or genre of film. This week, we're tackling a topic that maybe some would argue in a film podcast should have come earlier than it is in episode 200 and what, 50 something. But we've taken on many things and, you know, sometimes you've got to take a look at the darker side. The butt of the joke of this podcast is usually that Michael Bay films are terrible, but have we ever actually sat down, looked at his filmography, and saw it the Transformers Dark Side of the Moon from The Rock? It's time to get belly deep in Michael Michael Bay, see from the explosions from the goodness. It's time to work out, is Michael Bay as bad as this podcast has said it has for over 250 episodes? We've talked about The Rock recently. We love The Rock. You know what? Maybe that was it. We'll find out as we talk. Michael Bay... Is he the worst thing to happen to Hollywood since leprosy? Because <laughs> Lep- leprosy is, is well known in Hollywood. It's Rampant. Right. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, Michael has been the butt of a joke. It's an easy stab. It's easy. You know, it's like taking jibs at Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider. Yeah. It's too easy. It it's too like easy. kicking a puppy. We, we, we go for that low form of comedy because it's easy. But so Michael Bay has... The Rock. I'll be honest. No, but I mean, Michael Bay has done things that warrant, you know, some finger pointing and some criticism. Not all of Michael Bay movies have been great. And I think a lot of film Twitter, um, film communities, film critics have not been kind to the likes of Michael Bay. Uh, someone that. who's certainly a pioneer of the, auction, uh, of the action genre, but someone who isn't necessarily pushing the genre forward in a sense of just keep churning out the same shit every single time. It also done up as well that whilst we're talking about the films that he's directed, he's also had his hands in the pies of something like, you remember the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles? He's not the director, mm-hmm. but he is a producer. Yes. So he has bade on it. <laughs> he the, has bade. And I, I've u- I'm going to use the phrase bade all over it <laughs> in quite a few films today. And yes, I'm going to talk about his uh, behind the scenes work in film, like say producing and visual effects companies that Michael Bay uh, has a share in or is a partner in. But this podcast has touched on films like Armageddon, The Rock. We've talked about Transformers to some degree. We've talked about Pain and Gain in our Rock episode recently. So Michael Bay is a frequent name, is a household name in cinema, but, but also in this podcast. So let's actually peel back the skin and look a little bit more detailed into the filmography of Michael Bay. Ooh. And I am going to try and do it impartially. It's too easy to come into this and be like, oh, Michael Bay's rubbish. He's crap. He's just the same thing. Explosion, slow motion, 360, helicopters, everyone shouting at each other. You know, it, 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 that's easy. It's, and I probably will. Yeah, it's beneath you. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I am also going to try and take this somewhat impartially and somewhat fair and actually look at, well, what are the strengths of Michael Bay? Because there are some, you know, and bear with me, stick with me. Let's go through this episode together. Let's hold hands. Let's look at another episode of Sorry in My Seat as we do a deep dive into Michael Bay. So, as we've already said, action, movie, director, Michael Bay, The Rock, Armageddon, Transformers, Bad Boys, Pain and Gain, to name a few. American flags, explosions, women in bikinis, more explosions, slow-mo, drone shots, more American flags, scores that sound suspiciously like poor music, high, vivid, saturated tones, more explosions, 
but this time captured with drone shots. Big CGI effects, noise, just a shit ton of noise. More American flags, Miami, LA, sunset shots, a shit ton of product placement, fast cars, more objectifying women, low angle shots, 360s, helicopters, a few more explosions, military personnel screaming at each other so that their veins are popping out of the side of their heads, and everyday people going about their everyday lives interrupted by catastrophic events and then giving big speeches instead of dialogue. That is Michael Bay in a nutshell. I reckon if a general phoned him up, he would jizz his pants. <laughs> Fucking loves it. He loves he them. Loves it, but he loves He's very pro-military. And there's films. nothing wrong with that. You know, they serve our country and he serves them in films by blowing their shit up and they're, they're heroes, mate. He's a man's man. He's, yeah. Yeah. Chewing tobacco, spitting. An LA boy educated at Santa Monica Crossroads School made his first films as a child using Super 8 cameras with toy trains strapped with explosives. I'm going to tell you now, that's epic and cool. Well, that's that very is, Spielberg, that's Spielberg. That's 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 a love of cinema and he knew from an early age what he liked in a film. And you can't, I know I've slagged off kids in the past. No, I'm only joking. That's that's brilliant. That's great. He has a love of film and you can't take that away from him. Well done, young child Michael Bay. He uh, was as, at 15, uh, took an internship with George Lucas, working and cool. archiving storyboards. Worked on the storyboarding of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's cool. Which Why are you like, telling me things that's made Michael Bay sound cool? At 15, owned Steven Spielberg in a corridor and an off chance the meeting at George Lucas's studio saying, I thought this film was going to be dog shit and it's actually really good. And Raiders of the Lost Ark being a catalyst for a young Michael Bay to get into movie making. His first film was Bad Boys in 1995. The fun fact, it was originally going to star John Lovitz. Fuck off. They Why? test screen John Lovitz. Mate, do you know what? I wish I could take your brain out on a date, your squishy, beautiful brain, because for weeks, for weeks, that's right, I've been mentioning that <laughs> Spock, Leonard Nimoy, directed Three Men and the Baby. Directed Three Men and the Baby. And now it is, did you know that John Lovitz fucking was nearly cast yeah. in Bad Boys? They, they test one? screened him. The first one, in no, no, I mean Will Smith. Oh, I oh. yeah, I think it was the voice with character, yeah. Um, Bad, Boys two, uh, Bad Boys 2, 1 and 2, sorry, went on to make half a billion. But in 95, not only did he make Bad Boys, but he won the Directors Guild of America as uh, Commercials Director of the Year. He came up with the Got Milk campaign. Fuck off. He's worked with Coca-Cola. There's no explosions in Got Milk. <laughs> he worked with Coca-Cola and the Red Cross, and he shares history with Edgar Wright in that they first started out in music videos. Something that Edgar Wright has kind of shook off and montages in his films. But Michael Bay now makes films as if they're music Yeah, videos. yeah, you really, you can tell that. His Transformers movies, two of which have got Mark Wahlberg in, have made four billion worldwide, James. It's like a license to put really shit money. No, you know what? I'm taking it back. There's obviously a fan base. Somehow. <laughs> Bad Boys made $65 million on a $9 million budget and it catapulted Will Smith even further into the mainstream. Armageddon was the biggest movie of 1998 with a $500 million box office on a budget of $140, nominated for four Oscars. And in fact, despite now being laughed at by NASA, at the time was the first film to be granted the official use of NASA suits, which in themselves cost $3 million apiece. Jesus Christ, Michael Bay, where did it all go wrong? What's the odd? Uh, sorry, what, uh, what what's odd about um, Michael Bay's film career is that domestically his films don't do overly well. They do not. But you but know what? Worldwide box office. There's all the markets. He mate. makes a huge success in the pursuit of action movie greatness. Michael Bay won't let a small thing like history get in the way of a good tale. In fact, take 2001's Pearl Harbor for example, which never forget was an Oscar winner for best sound. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> never forget that Pearl Harbor won an Oscar. Won an Oscar. Yeah. 
like Crash. Yeah, Amy <laughs> Adams still hasn't got one. <laughs> it all, it's also nominated for six raspberries and one worst picture that year. It's a weird mashup of what happens if you take Saving Private Ryan and try and infuse it with the movie Titanic, but shoot it like a music video. <laughs> It's odd that he tried making bombing look cool. And not only that, but from the enemy side. <laughs> Pearl Harbor, the movie, is the worst thing to happen to Pearl Harbor with the bombing coming seconds. <laughs> ben Affleck's attempt at the Southern accent is the worst thing to happen to anyone with ears. He's invested money into f- various film companies like Digital Domain, a, VH- a visual effects company that was created by James Cameron that he bought for $50 million. Um, and as a production company, he's uh, a partner in Platinum Dunes, which you've already touched upon, which was a catalyst for for film companies like Bloomhouse that are now mm. uh, ever popular in the horror genre. But Platinum Dunes focused on horror initially. Yeah, they fucking they kind of like did the blueprint, didn't they? That yeah. people came now... out with The Purge, Ouija, The Unborn, The Hitcher, Quiet Place, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot, The Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, and The Friday the 13th reboot. And oddly, amongst all that, The Door of the Explorer movie. Fucking hell! And then, of course, as you talked about, the last twenty minutes, I've no. You've just sprouted out. You've just sprouted out info, mate. That is very impressive. And of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the film by David Green, um, that had Megan Fox in it, that looked a lot like a Michael Bay movie. And then when you find out he was a producer, you find out why. And that film is shrouded in controversy. Alan Richardson, who's now obviously massive, literally in the in Reacher, um, was one. He played Raphael in that movie, and he talked about how at the end of a shooting. all the people that could claim overtime would go back to the hotels and would get all the kind of the VIP treatment. Mm. And the actors that weren't, that were paid a salary, were basically left at the shooting lot and were like, yeah, we'll come pick you up when we can. And talks about how it was a horrible experience. Michael Bay was a producer in that film and obviously kept a tight uh, eye on the budgets. Famously, Megan Fox after Transformers 2 said that he was like Hitler on the film set. So people are not fans of Michael Bay, but then... It's really hard in when it comes to as an executive producer, you have certain jobs, and I'm not sticking up for him. I'm just saying there you wear many hats as a producer and a director, and apparently he's quite the perfectionist somehow. Mm. Uh, and so a lot of people not fans. Well, th- there goes the question. The question is: Is Michael Bay a good director? That's what we're here to discuss. His films are memorable. His titles are known worldwide. He's made massive profits. He's influenced filmmakers. He's worked on some of the biggest. Uh, sorry, with some of the biggest names. He saved companies from going under. And how many people say, I like The Rock? It's like a guilty pleasure. It's like, it's kind of like in a film community, you kind of mm. go, oh, Michael Bay. Oh, but I do kind of like The Rock. Mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, and, and if, if um, you know, you look at Steven Seagal movies, The Rock looks like Oscar contender compared to some of the Steven Seagal crap that's coming out at the same time. I don't know where this anti-fucking The Rock sentiment is coming from my son. <laughs> I'm not anti. I'm saying, I'm okay. saying that's the point. That's the Achilles heel to his film crew is everyone kind of whispers. They're like, oh no, Michael Bay, but I do love The Rock. Yeah, you do. It's the I, way that people communicate. I genuinely think we should have a counter going through this. When we talk from his first film where he started off, obviously with Bad Boys, mm. and where he ended with last year's Ambulance with his directed films, Keep a counter going of which ones you actually quite like and which ones you don't. I think you'll be surprised. I think you will. I think that's that's why I wanted to do this episode when you said it. I thought, yes, because we take jabs. A lot of the film community do take jabs at him. But actually, when you look into it, um, you know, there are films that we, that we admire. And as we go into his actual background in film, it's quite impressive. He's- so genuinely, when I say Michael Bay to you, um, what do you think? I'll, I'll give you two seconds. I always think of that shot in Bad Boys, the camera rotating around them, you know, slow-mo, all the stuff that you mentioned at the beginning, unfortunately, that's what I see. And I also see the low shot looking up, 
seeing the plane going overhead, which is basically the start to any music video that's set in Miami. And I also think of, weirdly, Bad Boys 2 opening with Michael Shannon being a racist. <laughs> Never forget. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bad Boys 2 is the is the thing you're drawn to. And you're right, that, that bridge is. scene after the, you know, the the everything from corpses are falling out of ambulances to f- cars falling off of lorries as they're being transported. Yeah, they they destroy half on. the city, but somehow Michael Bay still fits in you know, a, a slow motion helicopter sequence and low pan uh, 360 shot of Wolf Dan Marino cameo as I'll never forget. And of course, then you get blurred into the Transformers stuff where I don't entirely know exactly which of the four he's directed, but obviously he's, he's holding on to the reins of them films and pain and gain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Michael Bay, there are films I gravitate towards and I think they're the ones. The thing about Michael Bay though is he's not trying to impress critics or win awards. He openly states in interviews he's making films for teenagers. He doesn't care what people think. In fact, he's been brutally honest about his take on film critics. Uh, and you can't knock a person for genuinely not giving a shit what people think and not being influenced to change based on other people's opinions. I mean, Scorsese does mob film after mob film. Emmerich will keep blowing up the world. And we love why, him for it. <laughs> why, why is Michael Bay criticised for doing action movie after action movie? And anyone who says he's an arsehole on set, well, isn't Joaquin Phoenix? Don't we hear stories about Christian Bale being difficult to get on with? But we adorn them with accolades and Oscars and, and awards and praise. He's got massive weight in his name. He's had seven-mile film sets built for his projects. He's brought cities to, stands, to a standstill, like LA and Tokyo. He shoots on the fly, and he talks to actors about what he envisions and he talks to stunt crews using toy cars on the day to say, this is how I want it to look. I like that. I Genuinely, I know that people use visual aids, but he's very, no, he knows exactly what he wants mm. to the point that I was like, no, this is what will happen. So he's got this great thing, which not all directors have. He has vision. It's like, this is how it must look. Mm. So he already knows in his head those complex action scenes that we've seen, we'll use Bad Boys 2 as an example because it's probably the biggest one. We're talking about a scene where uh, Will Smith's driving a very fast car. Um, they are launching cars at him whilst um, I believe they're also blowing them up with grenade launchers. So they're launching cars, blowing them up. So it's like fireballs. In his head, he knows exactly how that's supposed to be shot. I can't mm. see that. I can't do that from paper to set. I would be like, fuck me, there's a car chase, do, do something with it. What makes it even more talented, and we have to say there is talent, is that he has to carry that vision right the way through editing and, produ- and, and, yeah. and post-production because no one else knows what's going on in his head. He hasn't storyboarded it. So <laughs> he has to remember when he's in the editing suite, oh no, that's why I shot this shot. And mm. particularly when you're influencing blue screen and Transformers movies and that kind of stuff, you have to really know what you're going for um, You know, in, in that final sequence. Um, so yeah, so he has to have that. Also, look at Bad Boys as a debut. It was massive. It was a buddy cop in which the studio didn't want two black leads, but he fought for it, particularly taking two actors from a TV background. And he even fronted 25k of his own money to shoot the ending after the studio called it back. Um, if it failed, he would have been a straight-to-DVD uh, director. Yeah. He would have been direct to jail. He probably would have been the next fit for Batman and Robin sequels. <laughs> but actually, it was a huge gamble that paid off, so he puts his money where his mouth is. So, that, you, you know, you can't knock that. That's got to be, that's impressive. He's a star maker. You know, Bruce Willis, uh, sorry, Bruce Willis, <laughs> Will Smith, you know, he got him to run shirtless with a gun in a slow-motion sequence that took Will Smith from comedic actor to action star in, in that choice. Now, it may be corny, it may be cheesy, you may may watch it now and be like, oh, this is so dated. Mm. But for Will Smith, Christ, that took him out of one genre in audience to a completely new one. 
You could say the same about Nick Cage, Ben Affleck, Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. He's relentless with finding new tech across the globe and using it from drones in ambulance to electronic camera arms that move on a seven axis for the Transformers movie. And the latter is groundbreaking. It allows close-up of actors interspliced with massive set sequences, going back into a car to see the reaction of the actors, going back out of the car, all in what would seem a seamless edit. And that is now a blueprint for many films to come. And like it or loathe it, Action sequences over the last 10 years owe a massive debt to the technology that Michael Bay has uh, put into the mainstream, from John Wick to Extraction, Fast and Furious to Fury Road, a movie that we talked about last week. They've all been influenced by the tech and the achievements of Michael Bay movies. Despite this, though, now let's go to the negatives. He's been called a Nazi. He's been called the Antichrist. And Sean Connery said he's an absolute, I can't say the word on this podcast, it's the one word we refuse to say. Film critics loathe his films and he's been called out numerous times for his sexualized takes on women regardless of their age. It's weird that in a world where the men of his films are one-dimensional, women are somehow still lower than that. Look it's at like the, they're half-dimensional. I know. You look at the movie Armageddon in which the climax is Bruce Willis giving Liv Tyler to Ben Affleck. <laughs> you know? no, it's just like, you're responsible for now. Men are heroic whilst women are always secondary or manipulative. His big controversy uh, is around the Me- Megan Fox um, who came out to say that in, uh, I believe it was Bad Boys 2, she was 15, dressed in a bikini and asked to dance in a strip mall, uh, in, a, in a strip sequence yeah. under a waterfall. Um, cut to Transformers, where her audition was that she had to wash his car in a bikini to get the part. It's, so yeah, I mean, you know, we can, and I want that to be clear, bigging right. up the man, but we're showing yeah. the two sides of it. Right, and, and and also, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, what you think it means. Maybe you just had a really filthy car and it's like, Fuck it. <laughs> Two birds with one stone. <laughs> Two yeah? birds with one stone. Um, his films aren't necessarily adrenaline filled. To some, to many, to to myself, they're exhausting. They're loud. They're full of unnecessary scenes. Oh, he doesn't yeah. take things out and he doesn't leave them on the cutting floor when he really should. They're, take the testicular joke in Transformers 2, for example. It's, 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 it is an achievement to sit through one, isn't it? You Afterwards, you don't feel happy that you've seen it. You feel like happy that you survived. I, exhausted. I won't go now to watch one at the cinema. Yeah. I think after one of the Transformers films where yeah. I genuinely couldn't tell what was happening on screen. It was just a mash of visual effects. I, well, like, yeah. I don't fucking know what's happening now. When we got to that, that's the point I was going to make. Which is yeah. gutting because Transformers 1, and I mean this purely from a visual achievement, did look stunning. And it was one of the first films I remember I got on like proper Blu-ray and got like all yeah. the optimal cables. And I mean, you could see the bricks in the buildings and the, and the, and the rust on Optimus Prime. Generally spoilers. I actually quite like the first Transformers film. Yeah. Just, again, uh, it has the pointlessness like, oh no, is it in Transformers 2 where the mum eats the pop brownies and you're like, that? why are you the second that? one. But you've got the, the Bernie Mac scene in the first one, which the first is funny. One, the first one is when the Transformer pisses in their garden. Yeah. Bad mojo. Yeah. So it's got, <laughs> it's got shit everywhere. There's mate. a lot that you could cut out in these films. Um, again, filmmakers, traditionalists and film reviewers don't necessarily like Bay's style as well. He doesn't use wide pan or steady cinematic scenic shots to capture mood and essence of atmosphere or location. Instead, it's quick edited, it's back and forth, it's characters yelling at each other yeah. or talking as if they're giving massive speeches. Liv Tyler is a prime, prime example of that in Armageddon. Her job when she's on Earth to sit in a room is to just shout at Billy Bob Thornton like, that is my father up there with the big cinematic sweeping score over it. It's like, fuck is going on here? Like, people don't act like humans in Michael Bay movies. <laughs> Technology is to push boundaries, but often in his films, they're, they're, they're being used to achieve the same effect, just in a new and more expensive way. It's become cliche, simple, boring, and Bay has become a stereotype of his own work, often using the same style over and over, or worse, using the exact same shot over and over. 
The big negative for me is in his choice of cinematography, uh, cinematography, he warps reality for the viewer. So instead of using POV shots, we often get the camera shooting ahead, slowing down, slow motion, splash for three or four angles. So you never feel invested in the moment of the film. That takes away any sense of peril, tension or consequence, making it irrelevant. And the context is very unauthentic. There's, you know, the, I mean, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm trying to say that I, I, that I feel like I needed to be in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. But when the action sequences are the camera dotting around everywhere, you know, zooming in, slowing out, things blowing up, you know, then you, it will zoom in on one of the faces as the cheek wobbles and they go, and it zooms back out again. It's, it's just made in a way that says, uh, this is exactly how I want you to watch it. And this is exactly how I want you to feel in this film. It takes any ownership from the audience to find something in it. It's like, you're watching exactly what I want you to watch. Yeah. And that to me, I, I, it floats some people's boat because that's all they want in a film. So you know what? There are, myself. there is a high audience as proven by the box offices that are quite happy to sit and, and this isn't a dig, sit and brainlessly watch something. Yeah. If they just want explosions. People, some people go to the, go to the cinema for the experience of a big explosion, sharp, Sound effects because they don't get them in real life mm. and escapism and escapism. You know, yeah, I've I've got you, two very close friends who I go to, two brothers, uh, Kareem and, and Bilal, and they love Michael Bay movies. Yeah, they just it's just it's a two hours of popcorn, fun, loud music, and there's an cool characters that they want to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, and t- I think that's great. And if that's what you're going for, then I think Michael Bay is maybe the god. You know, yeah. and certainly his relationship as well with Jerry Bruckheimer, which you probably should have said at the start top. Is there such a thing as being too patriotic? Well, that's a question that uh, that Michael Bay's been testing. Transformers, Age of Extinction, there are 53 shots of American flags. That's one every three minutes on average of an American flag. He has a hard-on for the military and for military personnel and good-looking men in uniform. His pro-military films are often subsidized by the services themselves as an advertisement to make them look good. Remember, this man made a career in commercials and in exchange for making the army and the military and the navy look good, he gets access to planes, ships and weaponry for his movies. Do you know what? He does very happy. He has authentic equipment. Like, you know, one of these later Transformers films. Genuinely does look like the military's gone to war with space robot. Yeah. It, it genuinely Never is. forget Cuban Gun Jr. shooting out of the sky planes in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Do you know what the worst thing is, though? And I'm going to say this now, is every single one of these films could blend into another and you wouldn't really be aware. Like, if you, if I told you that in one of the Transformers films, Cuba Gooding Jr. shot down one of the Transformers mm. from the from a ship in Pearl Harbor, you'd which think this, and go, go probably. Which and then, this was the catalyst for the Transformers <laughs> to come to it. And then I told you, yeah, because in the background, you can see the two escaping from the island in the boat. And you go, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you could very easily... I mean, did they have this shared universe. The only one that doesn't actually fit is The Rock because it is based in some semi-remblance of history and actual reality. Some. <laughs> I think, you know, to, to sum it up, I think, you know, what is it then that gets under people's skin? And we've talked about some things, lazy filmmaking, not lazy, but repetitive filmmaking and 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 um, I suppose subsidising um, substance in characters and in arcs with explosions, bangs and distracting pretty things, you know, fire flames and, and, and machines. And we've also talked about obviously his, his way that he's objectified and treated women. So they are reasons, uh, uh, you know, alone. There's I, the, sorry. I was going to say also, there's a, an artist, a director that you love um, and that I've always not been a huge fan of, whose name is, he directed Food Best Hotel. Where's Anderson? Where's Anderson? I've always had, a, not a dislike of Where's Anderson. I've always said, you can never do 
a period drama, you know, without his mm. quirkiness. But you can flip that and say Michael Bay will never do a rom-com. <laughs> with, yeah, and, and like they they both styles are perfect for what they they mm. both know their craft very well. And just because I say that doesn't necessarily make them bad or anything. Mm. But but that's the same argument you'd use. Well, Wes Anderson can't make a can't make a thriller. He can't or just doesn't want to. It doesn't want that's to. The that's question, that's the point. It? And then Michael Bay like could probably make a rom com starring mm. Sandra Bullock, but chooses not to and chooses to make Transformers twelve still yeah. transforming. And, and 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 you know, in other mediums of art, you could argue there are other um, mediums that don't progress. There are bands, musicians that churn out the same album mm. and have been. Or I've been playing concerts and playing the same songs for four decades. You know, Guns N' Roses are still closing their sets with their debut album stuff. We don't, but we, you know, it, they're not universally panned. Some are, you know, I suppose with music, it's playing on nostalgia more so than than uh, than films. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's pick your reason why you don't like Michael Bay. If the reasons so far haven't been strong enough. It might be the fact that. 80s fans are pissed off that you know that he's destroyed two beloved IPs, whether that is Transformers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Both cases failing to capture the original heart and magic, uh, and instead using them as plot devices for more action. Is it jealousy? Is Michael Bay the personification of the bully at school going on to be the billionaire? Is it that he's the kid that cheated on exams but became the CEO? Is he a collective sense? Sorry, is there a collective sense that uh, that? Sorry, a collective sense that as film fans, Bay shouldn't be allowed to succeed, whilst indie filmmakers and starving artists struggle. Is it that he's looking, uh, or that he has taken the torch from Spielberg when we never asked him to? So give is it, it back. <laughs> is it that he's taken actors that we cherish, like Ryan Reynolds, and put them in bad movies? Is it there's Sandler conundrum, and that what's annoying is that he could be great, but chooses it to be, uh, you know, in a box and and not really varying. Or is it ultimately we hate Michael Bay because at some point he's had the nerve to make us actually like one of his films, The Rock? Yeah. And ultimately that's what gets under most people's skin. Also, this is this is not related in anything. He always looks like he's smoking and it irritates me. Yeah. <laughs> he's, always, he's got perpetual smoke in his face. I'm only joking, that's not reason to hate him. I I'm actually worried about when I do a count of his films. And I think, you know, when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's really bad. And I think that's what hurts the most is he makes you believe that Michael Bay could give you something. He could give you that, The Rock. He could give you that, that je ne sais quoi. I like the film The Island because it was slightly different. There's not as many explosions, but then there, there are quite a lot of explosions. Uh, you, there's the point where Michael mm. Bay can't hold it in anymore. and He just bays everywhere. I, I, I am looking forward to getting to The Island because um, I think you're right. That's, that's a particular talking point. Um, I mean, if you look at his IMDb of... of um, you know, directed 59 credits, but from his earliest career up until 95, all of them are music videos from... Have you seen what he acted in? Sorry, he's directed. No, so... no, have you seen what he acted in? Oh, no. Right, so we've just seen here. Bear in mind, you, your wife, yourself and my, we were talking about this. He's an actor in Kyrie Ugly. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we said, we've got milk commercials to Lionel Richie videos, Tina Turner, uh, Meatloaf, you know, he's an era smith. Um, but film career, slag, Bad Boys in 95. I remember seeing Bad Boys in HMV and it had Will Smith, who I knew from Fresh Prince, mm. and it had an 18 certificate in the bottom corner. Yes. And I was like, what's this film? Walking towards the uh, front cover with Martin Lawrence, the car in the background is dusty. It's not quite in focus. Mate, Bad Boys was it. Bad Boys was cool. Tia Leone got a decent villain. Mm. It's, it's like... Uh, internal affairs are part of it. You know, they're bad boys. They don't follow the rules. They're giving the captain 
you know, hike, mate. It's not that comedy focused. It is more action and dark with elements of comedy. I'm going to compare it most like to the first Lethal Weapon film. Not, not obviously the characters yeah, yeah, are different, yeah. but it, it didn't focus so much on the hilarity, of which there was. But then let's be honest, Martin Lawrence is incredibly funny and was at his peak then. And Mark, Will Smith was at his, you know, he was coming well, he was, out. He was, he was coming, wasn't he, Will Smith? Yeah. yeah. So but you have two good, good actors who basically are nearing their prime or in their prime. A great cast. I think, you know, you told us that he used his own money to finance the end of it. This film looks like it had the most, like the perfect balance of budget, if that makes sense. It's not overblown. The action's more realistic. There's not like cars being thrown at each other. There's actual detective work in this film. There's the the comedy side of it is that the one witness to the crime, Tia Leone, is told that Martin Lawrence is Will Smith's character and there's hilarity because he's supposed to be a womanizer, but he's actually married. And it could all be explained with mm. one sentence. Oh, it's because you wouldn't talk to me if you if you did that, but but now that he's here, but they no one Brush over it. no one no one's like yeah. oh what we told you was a mistake this is actually what's happening and you know you look at mid 90s you know action movies you know it, it's a good one in comparison to to you know films that were speed 2 coming out of the same year i believe uh, uh you broken arrow around the same <gasps> time you get that film out of your mouth <laughs> Love broken arrow um you know obviously coming up shortly would be face off you know Great so it, it, i mean the 90s I, I think for the you know the nineties as as visual effects were starting to creep in, and certainly by the end of the nineties were 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 prominent in in action movies. A I, film like Bad Boys holds its own in that it was real flammable. You know, it was bl- explosions, it was flames, it was big sets. You know, and explosions. So I don't mind Bad Boys. I I'm, think I'm, Bad Boys is a good film. I think it's a good film. I'm marking it in the winners column. Yeah. That's a worst one. That's a great debut as well. And then The Rock's next. Mate, you've peaked. <laughs> it's I mean, his second Rock, film. The, the it's, it's one of the best action films of all time. And I think the thing that makes The Rock so good is that we all know it is flawed massively. Yeah, massively. We choose to ignore There's it. There's like a whole hour before they get to Alcatraz. That's not that important. <laughs> it's, it's enjoyable. It's and really I actually good. quite enjoy watching the hour before they get to the island. I love the fluff in The Rock. I love the fit, the bit where he's... Th- and we've done a whole episode of our love of The Rock. Like He throws the FBI director off. And you've got Nicolas Cage not giving bad signs. So... In comparison to Bad Boys, where you've got two super cool alpha males shooting badasses and and Stanley Godspeed going, you will not. Yeah, Warmack, <laughs> piece of shit. Maybe Sean Connery is one of his best roles. Yeah. I know he didn't like working with the man, but he got a great, not definitely not James Bond performance out and of it, him. And it, it ticks every early Michael Bayism, you know, yeah. and which is somehow acceptable. Because it's it's Nicolas Cage and it's uh, and it's Sean Connery. I love The Rock. Yeah, like, that's it's Ed Harris. You know, it's it's got a great cast. It's got Tony Todd cast. randomly. Yeah, John C. McGinley in it. It's a good movie. It's, the Rock is good, and out of the the Holy Trinity of Nick Cage Nick movies, Cage it's is. my favorite of the three. I maybe go Face Off, but you cannot go wrong with The Rock, which is a great film. And I'm saying it now, probably Michael Bay's. If you're looking for a good slice of Michael Bay, it does have the realist, the unrealistic bullshit like the car chase scene is the unrealistic stuff but it gets out early so you can enjoy the rest of the film yeah weirdly got hard on for the US military the villains in this film yeah and, and it's weird as uh, you know the whole ending's really chaotic oh I just realized but not all the way <laughs> and there's a really good term online it's called bay, Bayham mm. play on mayhem yeah and and this is Bayham it's all <laughs> over the place the, the end of this movie it, you know it's like they probably don't need to drop the bomb, but Literally, then they do because yeah. they need a vaporize or you know Sean Connery's character, and it's and it's 
a screen, the slow-mo, it cuts us to his wife. It's like, what the fuck? It's all going on. It's all going on. Who's pregnant? But the, rock, <laughs> the Rock is fun and it's got Lamborghinis and Ferraris and it's, I'm only you know, borrowing your Humvee. It's, it's, it's fun. Out of the free, it, and it, it gave a new... Um, you you know, uh, credit to Nicolas Cage, who had already won Oscars and was and and was a you know an indie darling and mainstream, but The Rock was different for Nick Cage. I mean, he went on to just fucking own the nights with Face Off and and Con Air. But weirdly, out of the three of them, to me, it's the most it's the most realistic out of the three. <laughs> what um, you mean, swapping faces with a, with an international terrorist isn't realistic for you? Maybe you. not. Maybe not. Uh, um, two for two. And then Armageddon. Oh my god! Which I'm... we've recently done in you know, the nineteen ninety eight. Biggest grossing movie of the year. I will never ever rewatch Armageddon. However, watching it for the purposes of discussing it with you or watching it with Esther for the first time for the sheer amount of bollocks is a is an event I want to do with my children where I'm going to sit them down at an appropriate age and go, watch this. This was considered the best film of 1998 yeah. by, by the average moviegoer. They had a choice between this and like an Oscar winning film. They went for this fucker. Yeah. And you, your third movie and you've got Bruce Willis, which the studio made him go in. Cause again, this is one of the four film. They wanted, back. they wanted that, the kid money. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, Bruce Willis was, uh, had to do four movies based on the money that he lost for doing, what was it? The, the Broadway boxer movie that he, they, they panned. Um, so this was one of them but again you know you look at Armageddon like love or loathe the movie it's quotable it's memorable it's got the biggest plot hole in cinema history it's the most obvious uh, questionable storyline it's ridiculous and stupid and over the top it's got great performance from Steve Buscemi who's questionable yeah, <laughs> I believe this is the rise of the Nazi bit <laughs> yeah yeah it's um it's 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 an odd little film, uh, Armageddon. And by small, I mean massive. I mean, the film was everywhere. It was an event. The problem is, is I know that we don't like it, but do we not like it so much that we actually secretly love it? So, like, you know, like, the guilty pleasure is, it's either this or this artistic French movie that's going to win awards, but you're like, oh, I kind of just want to Steve, Steve Buscemi blow up a rock. And you're like, ah, it's difficult. Mm. I'm giving it, I, if I'm honest, and it was on the film, I do, there is a plan in my head. I want to share that film with people. If cinema, oh God, I say this every week, if cinema is designed to make you experience things, you experience you something, so. you experience yeah. something with the film again. I'm going three for three. I'm not happy about it, but so far three for three, but don't worry, mate. Because like the next all, film. <laughs> like all good things, what goes up must come down. And it comes down <laughs> in such a way. <laughs> It comes out more than the bombing of Pearl Harbor. I think as a I mean, 30, the critics score. As a 13-year-old, I remember watching this film and going, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I remember being so disappointed with the film. Oh, Kate Beckinsale was going to be the next big thing as well. Fucking Ben Affleck was hot, mate. Josh Harnett. Josh Harnett was there. Oh, what are you going to do? Do you know what the problem is? It's not even, it's not even the fact that Cuba Gooding Jr. is wasted in this film. It's not even the fact that it's just explosions or Dan Aykroyd playing the only person in the world who can see it coming and no one listening to him. It's the weird storyline of love interest between Ben Affleck. Wants, ben Affleck's in love with Kate Beckinsale. He loves her. They have a once-in-a-lifetime romance. He joins the British Army to fight the Nazis. He presumably dies, so she starts banging Josh Harnett. Shire surprise... <laughs> Only Ben Affleck's still alive. Mm. The, uh, the film's three and a half hours long. I've just described the, two, the first two hours for you. Yeah. There's nothing happening. 
It, I, I, it, I mean, the film, cast-wise, I mean, if you, off the back of The Rock and Armageddon, you know, and then all of a sudden Michael Bay's doing a action movie about Pearl Harbor. And and World War II films were hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we say, Private Ryan, yeah. you know, doing incredibly well. I mean, you've got Affleck, you've got Beckinsale, you've got Harnett, you've got Ewan um, Bremner from Trainspotting. Yeah, you do. The movie. You've, you've got the Queen Baldwin. You've got Queen Baldwin, Alec <laughs> himself, you've got Jennifer Garner, Cuban Gooding Jr., John Voight, Michael Shannon... Fuck off. Never forget Michael Shannon is in the movie. Michael Shannon's a two-timer. He's a <laughs> fucking two-timer in this bullshit. Pearl Harbor's odd. Like I said in my, in my big spiel at the beginning, it's odd that you take a, an action film director, you you touch upon Pearl Harbor, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, my film history is pretty good, mm. but I don't know many films that focus on the events of Pearl Harbor. No, I believe some of the older 70s ones, maybe. So this is a big, like, and then I think just a lot of historians watch that movie and film fans and people that, I think it kind of sexualized and glamorized war in a really weird way. Do you, do you know what the biggest problem for this film was? <laughs> if you look at when it came out in 2001, it came up against Band of Brothers, which was is of one of the best TV series of all time. Historically quite accurate because it's based on the actual Easy Company. So genuinely, he goes in with his brand of like over the top theatrics when we've just had like Damien Lewis provide awesomeness for like 10 hours <laughs> you know you got you compare it to like Saving Private Ryan as well you know you've you look at Saving Private Ryan and you've got scenes in that of like you know absolute horror now. just horror yeah. and things that you know the 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 the, the beach scene the Normandy beach scene at yeah. the beginning of that movie like you know the, the, the boot camp training you know that, he, that Spielberg put people through and the fact that they didn't know what they were going into and the actors said it was exhausting being in that film set and the attention to detail, and then you fan forward like three years to Pearl Harbor and Ben Affleck setting off a cork in his own face <laughs> after he's already broken his nose. Yeah, and, you, and you're like, comedy. "What's this weird comedy that's in the film Pearl Harbor?" There's nothing funnier than a Second World War. <laughs> Do you remember that fucking slow motion like bomb sequence? Yeah, the, and you're like, "What are we watching?" My my favorite my favorite thing is when Michael Michael Bay really did something extra. He had a kamikaze Japanese pilot look lovingly at his picture of his family first. And you're like, I don't know what you're going for. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're going for. Yeah. It's weird, because a lot of the time, you think, you, the, the enemy's often faceless, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like if they're in a tank or if they're in a plane, you know, you don't necessarily need to know their backstory. <laughs> <laughs> um, Our film's dog shit. But, but do you know what the worst thing is? It's the scene, and it might be, it might be historically correct. Like I believe... There's there's an element that happened when John Voight, who plays the president, goes, "If you don't believe we can beat him, you won't believe I can stand up." And he stands up, and you and you're like, as an audience, you're going, "What the fuck are you on about?" <laughs> <laughs> who gives? Also, the people that go off to fight, they're not here, mate. They can't see you. <laughs> it's just me that can see you. Yeah. And it, do you know what? It might have happened, but I can tell you, it wasn't as poorly acted as that shit was. That is a that is Michael Bay to a nutshell. You don't need yeah. that scene. And that's the thing. It's just so much that makes the final cut in a Bay movie that you're like, why? How, how did that get through the editing process? Do you know what I do love about Ben Affleck's character though? It's fucking prequel to Maverick, mate, because he's he's a Maverick. He gets told off by Queen Baldwin, who then later gives him the secret mission because he knows what he's like. like. You're a bad egg, you don't follow the rules, but by God, boy, do you get results. God is gifted. Get a spitfire. <laughs> get a spitfire. Drop this bomb. Yeah. That bit when he goes over to England and he has to like, you know, he's like, yeah. There's the the scene like right at the end. I always forgot about this. They get shot down, don't they, after delivering the bomb. And they're in mainland Japan 
and Ben Affleck is about to get shot, but Thingy jumps in front of the bullet, and I'm fairly certain they call, they name the child after after Ben Affleck's friend is for Josh Harnett. They named their son that he's given it, but I'm fairly certain it's Josh Harnett's child. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's our first down, and boy, it's a big fucking you know down. What? I don't give a shit. I don't care how that film ends. I'll never watch. Pearl I'll Arbor never again. watch that film again. There is nothing in this. I will go out my way to make sure my child doesn't watch that film. The, the, I will your, take a bullet like Josh Arnett. Do you know the best thing about Pearl Harbor? It's the song in Team America. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coming up after that, then 2003, after a Faith Hill music video, obviously, um, is Bad Boys Two, a film that I remember watching and thinking, "Wow, that's different to Bad Boys in in terms mm. of explosions and and." It was again dark, you know. There are scenes in it where, like, you know, where they pretend to be the pest control team. In yeah, that, in the, it's and, just like mutilated bodies. And, and they're like in the cooking pot and stuff. Yeah, and, yes. and oh, they're fucking. Yeah, he's talking about they're just the humping. Rats, yeah. yeah, and then they, then there's like yeah, and, always, animal sex is a thing that is always in these fucking films as well. And as we talked about, there's like it's not enough that there's a car chase sequence. There's literally corpses coming out yeah. which is quite a taboo thing the the, the mm. mutilation of someone who's already dead yeah but you know so like the, you the, meant the mutilation of someone's career <laughs> yeah. and then the end I remember watching the end and there's like the whole sequence where they're in uh, South America in the in the Humvees driving and then the villain after surviving this like insane chase where they just destroy people's homes in the pursuit of catching the you know that's your good guys your yeah. two good guys destroyed this destroying houses. this town to, to get the villain and he like gets shot and falls on a mine. And I just, it was yes, so extra. Yes, he does shoot and land on the mine. Can I just say as well, there's something that's happened here. Because you remember when Bad Boys 2 came out, they were talking about Michael Bayisms already. Mm. So by, so after Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay was already be, oh, he just does explosions. He doesn't do that. I generally think it's unfair by this point. Like you've had three pretty good films, one dog shit film, but already people have started to turn on him. But Bad Boys 2 is, and I'm going to tell you now something, mate, is a defining action film in the genre. It is one when you say action film, Bad Boys Two is up there because it's the first time when we didn't really care for subtlety or big. We wanted extra. Yeah. This this is the action ver- right. I can actually think of a good metaphor. This was when the action genre decided to go super size. They were like, "Oh, you liked explosions? Fuck this! You're gonna get this." It was the first time the action genre went, "Oh, I'll have pickles and extras. I'll have everything." Mm. It, it yeah. I mean, that is it, isn't it? The Michael Bay movie it was, it was, is... It was the Big Mac, mate. <laughs> it was everywhere. The Michael Bay movie is like, what size do you want on nachos? I'll have cheese with a side of cheese. I'll have the jalapenos and a bit more cheese. I want, I want everything. I want the heart attack burger. Give it to me. And Bad Boys 2 personified it. I don't get to tell you now, I quite like, but I quite like it. I, yeah. I, I, I still think, think it's a good film. I do think this is the first time I remember coming out of the cinema or watching it thinking, like, that was, that was, that was a bit of, that was... That was too long, maybe. Did, that was I, too much. My favourite thing about Bad Boys 1 and 2, and I haven't seen the third one, I haven't seen Bad Boys for Life, but I, the thing I do like about these two is the, the Martin Lawrence, Will Smith chemistry. They do a great chemistry. Like that, that is enough for me to watch it and to think that, because there are other chemistries that don't work, or in my opinion, like Pain and Gain, I didn't, I didn't think the three of them in that film gelled at all. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to in a moment as we, as we move up the, the list. But, um, yeah, I do really like their their chemistry on screen. You know, they are fun to watch. They are engaging. And I think in Bad Boys 1 and 2, at least the, it does cut away at times to give you a bit of story between them characters and a bit of arc, yeah. um, you know, motivation to them. The, the, the next one's a bit of a dark horse, really. 
in the in 2005, you brought out a 12A movie called The Island, which has um, Ewan McGregor and Scott Johansson in it, and Sean Bean, and Michael Clark Duncan, Can Steve I, Buscemi. Yeah. Oh, sorry, carry on. No, no, no I, I was just going to go for a bit of a, I, a cast this. I need to tell you something. Last week, there was a name on my on my list that I didn't read out my top 25 coolest characters. It says Jimmy Moore, and I was like, I don't know who that is. I was like, why have I written Jimmy Moore? So I, I didn't remove him from the list, and I, I altered it. And I've just remembered... When I was looking at his filmography about 10 minutes ago, Jimmy Murray is a character from When Saturday Comes played by Sean Bean and he should have been on the list. Anyway, sorry, there you go. I apologise. Maybe it's because I live in Yorkshire now, mate. But Sh- Jimmy Murray, he works in a pit, he becomes a professional footballer, scores the winning goal, gets cheered on by his dead brother. Fucking hero and one of the coolest people ever. Sean Bean. Sean Bean's the kind of guy that wouldn't be annoyed but he would be thankful. Oh, that's nice. Um, Sean Bean's the type of person who just come around your house and help you put up the fence. You didn't ask him to, but he can see you're in trouble and he just wanted to give a lending and hand. And he just had a toolbox. Yeah, because he's, he's Sean Bean. Sean Bean. And he said he's in Yorkshire. <laughs> um, the Island's a bit of an odd ditty because it's a futuristic movie about... Uh, it plays out almost now like a Black Mirror episode. That we yeah, about like, like a... Like a remake of Logan's Run type thing yeah yeah, but a bunch of individuals living underground in what seems at first like a prison that they're told that if they win the lottery they get to leave it's held by live on paradise live on paradise yeah you've got them you know all in their kind of white jumpsuits getting told not to eat bacon but you and McGregor he wants bacon told to keep life healthy Mm. and then spoilers the film the big crux of the movie is that they're all clones they are all clones they're basically organ plants used for used to basically grow organs for rich people who might need them so Scarlett Johansson in the real world is a big actress who basically is in a car accident so she needs her clones to be harvested of all her organs so that they can be transplanted into the real Scarlett Johansson and survive but she thinks she's won the lottery mate but that Ewan McGregor, he knows because of his lack of bacon, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he gets it because he starts questioning why he's not allowed bacon. That's not the joke. The the, the, the storyline is that he's able, he just questions his reality and it starts off. And I'll be honest, I love this. I haven't seen this film in a very long time, but I remember really liking this film. I like the clear aesthetic of the prison, if you will. I like the characters. I like the storyline. And I like that the heroes in the story, when they meet their counterpoints, are the bad guys. I really like that. It was a bit different. However, in this film, halfway through, Michael Bay's had enough of a story. It's time to bay. And he bays all over it. He bays everywhere. You're right. I mean, yeah, the contrast to seeing, you know, real Ewan McGregor on the outside world and he's an absolute dick. He's a dick. (laughs) Versus his clone who we love, Lincoln, is his character's name. Hence Lincoln. Um, It's an odd one on the island because I suppose the issue with it, and I have revisited it probably three or four years ago, is that, it doesn't ask the bigger questions of itself. You know, is it, what does it mean, you know, to create life to be used for harvesting? And mm. what does it mean, you know, ethically, who's in the right or the wrong? Obviously, the moment that those individuals become sentient, it's it's obviously wrong to, to harvest those organs. But And it's on the nose, you know, these, these kind of cloning technologies are being invested in. This film was sued by an actual company that you know, was like, you've depicted us as being villainous, but that is our, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to clone organs for those that can afford it, you know. Um, oh my God, get over yourself. It's, it's, a, God, I'm just, that's so stupid. It, you know, the questions that it doesn't ask, you know, that you hoped it would have asked around like, so what does that mean to live as a, to be, to find out you are a clone, that you are a, a harvesting machine? To what does it mean in the real world when you escape and how do you make a life for yourself knowing that you are, 
you know, the byproducts of, of the rich and the wealthy. It, it's, but Bay doesn't even attempt to answer any of those Fuck questions. It, explosion. It's just like, here's action sequence after it. And I, I think I do remember at the end being like, I don't know now why I'm rooting for the good guys, other than that they don't want to be killed, which is natural when Harvest did. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a good motivation. But towards the it? end, it's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on now. I don't get why. This... It's because they come back, isn't it? Because they, they're free and they're free, but they decide to come back because they heard about the, his generation. They all start questioning things and they decide to go back. But the henchman of Sean Bean is a former slave who then decides to basically join the rebellion. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Michael Clark Duncan's in it. Yeah. It's a good sign. I love a, I love a good Michael Clark Duncan sign. And is it Jamon Honsu? Who, just guessing, you know, loads of films. Like yeah. that, that, that guy's got a film career. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you know what we were going to do an episode of? Um, not A-lister, but the best non-A-lister. He's number one. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely number one because he's fucking in everything. Well, he's like Oliver Platt. There was a time when Oliver Platt was in everything. He was everything. Yeah. Just, yeah. As long as you're not my main character. Um, I'm classing up as a win. I really like the island, but my, what worries me is I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I I do feel like I need to say it's a win, but there's something at the back of my mind that was like, no, there's something wrong with the film. Um, but yeah, I mean, you McGregor, Scott Johansson, yeah, they, Hugh McGregor, um, uh, Sean Bean gets impaled at the end on a hook for some reason. It's good. You need to have your Sean Bean dead by the end of your film. Transformers. When this film, 2007, this film, I remember being a juggernaut. As in, there are certain films that you can't escape. It was a trailer for everything, yeah. and I've never actually had a problem with product placement. And I'll always use uh, David Chase is the creator behind The Sopranos, and he was asked about product placement because Tony Soprano, you know, drinks Coca Cola, and he said, "But, but the head of a mob boss family would drink Coca Cola. It's product placement, but at the same time, it's natural to the story. He would want named things. Yeah. So I've actually never been a problem with that if it fits the story. When a, when a, you know a character just goes to Burger King because of it, that doesn't make sense to me. But when it fits, but this film, I remember having it shoved down my throat to the point where I think this might have been the first film. Where I'm so aware of how product placement can destroy a film. Yeah. And it was the the Beal. I always forget. I'm terrible. The orange thing because he's always Bumblebee. been a, Bumblebee's always been a yellow. Beetle. In this, he's a yellow Camry, and I was like, "Oh fuck you!" He's a beetle. That's yeah. what that's what Bumblebee is. That's what he'll always be. You've ruined it. Fuck you, Michael Bay. However, when you get past it, I quite liked this film. I thought it was good. I believed alien robots had come to the planet and they're having fine. I think Hugo even did an all right job as as um, Megatron. Megatron. Yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like that they had the original actor and I know the original voice actor came back to voice Megatron. I'm not a purist of Transformers, so that didn't irritate me. But they did something amazing. They built up Megatron to be the baddest ass in the world. Throughout the entire film, everyone's going, Megatron, oh my God, I've seen Megatron. Megatron's frozen in this dam. People are pissing themselves at Megatron. And I've really liked the build-up and I actually quite like the fight scene at the end because, sorry, I got really excited then. <laughs> because, there's, because it's the first film, Aaron, they don't have as many characters in it. So you don't get too much, well, who is who? What is going on? You've only got like four characters on each side. It's, you, it's easy to keep track, which is a massive problem when you get into the sequels. Yeah. I like Transformers. I like the first one. I think the first one holds up. I give it, I liked it. My mum likes the first one. My mum doesn't like any film like that. Um, Could do less with the family. Don't like Sam Witwicky's family. I also like the fact that, you know, Sam Witwicky's father found Megatron and the, you know, the download got 
like kind of installed in his glasses. It's weird. It's cool. It's quirky. There's enough storyline to keep me interested, and the action scenes are pretty good in the first film. Yeah, I mean, the first film, it was huge. It was everywhere. Everyone was going to go watch it. Transformers, man. It was, it was like, the first it was, time on the big screen as well. Yeah, it was. It, you know, and everyone loved Transformers when it was around. A kick-ass Lincoln, Lincoln Park song at the end as well. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it, was, it was one of those films, wasn't it, where, you know, when the sequel came out, they got all the same yeah. actors to, all the same artists to come and, and redo this, you know, to do new songs. They had the use, they had Goo Dolls. It was a big soundtrack. I, I quite, I, do you know what, even talking about it now, I was like, do you know what, I actually really, I'm going to stand by that. I do like the first Transformers film. I remember there were sequences in it that are re- that look really good. There's, you know, there's a scene where Optimus Prime is, is you know, is, is the truck and then yeah. he, morphs into Optimus Prime in the background and takes out like some villains and stuff like that. And mm. it looks awesome. I mean, as a, as a kid, I imagine as a kid, you're watching that going, that is wicked cool. I actually think some of the humour work is what there's a scene where they're trying to, Sam Whitwick is trying to find the glasses where the Allspark is located. Jesus Christ, I'm such a nerd. And he tells them all to disguise and they all transform into their cars and so there's just a giant Optimus mm. Prime truck parked on their front lawn funny yeah. liked it is this the one as well Bernie Mac's the car salesman okay. Bernie Mac is the car salesman and basically um, gets kind of like ruined by Bumblebee trying to get bought by Sam Whitwicker is this the one where his mum's waving where he's like where he goes that's my mum that's there. my mum Bernie Mac yeah that's and, what, and, and then, she swears and then, at him yeah <laughs> and then he's like oh knock you <laughs> like, he's that's just like one. gritting his teeth and yeah. he's like, I mean yeah I mean he was a force wasn't he he really was and as that moment, Kevin Dunn is the dad when he's like, he takes you to like the Porsche dealership and he's like, no way, no way. And he's, he's like, like yeah, yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, okay, you hit the landing with a bit of comedy. Um, I think, the, the you know, John Turuto, I could never get his name. Yeah, John Turturro. Turturro. He's very good as like the agent. We just screen on that. I like that. Again, I'm not sure if the comedy lands. Certainly by the second one, I was like, why, you know, you're great. He gets pissed on, doesn't he? Yes. You know, Charlotte Booth obviously controversial at the moment, going through a lot of stuff in his private life. It's, I've got no issue with him being in in terms of him in this film. Yeah, not him as a person. I mean, as Sam Woodwick, he carries the film. Megan Fox, you know, he's, he's ha- only has so much she can do with that character. I think she's funny. You know, she has actually more developed storyline than a lot of women in Michael Bay films. Yeah, she, she has a character arc of in, you know, she's cool and she can work on cars. Yeah, yeah there's more than it's, frigging Nicolas Cage's wife got in The Rock. Josh. Dora Dummel, who is he, not Johnny Knoxville. He, <laughs> Early on, they look very similar. He's he's made. He looks like he belongs in the army. So but there's a was, moment though. There's a moment in that film. I remember watching it, and I'm like, "Why are you here? Why my, are you running around underneath them, shooting them with your weapons that clearly don't do anything?" Just well, let him find it out. Well, he works so well that that they create a career out of it because I'm fairly certain he's in all of the Transformers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, John Voight's in it again, which again I don't like John Voight, but it, I mean, yeah, as John Voight is in this one yeah. with others. He's a defense secretary. <laughs> Fuck um, you know. I think Transformers gets a pass to me because it was enjoyable. I was kind of the different. The franchise fucking killed it after this. Yeah. But the first one, I'll stand by and say actually. Quite enjoyed the first one when it came out. Can I just say, other than like maybe one or two, maybe one in my list. I've I've already counted mine up, which ones I like and which I dislike. It's it's nearly a killing for pro films right now. Yeah, I mean, and then, and then so now here we go. So now we've got Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Fuck me. I cannot. Re- is this the one with the? <sighs> this is one where Optimus know. Prime dies halfway through the film. 
and they're trying to get the all spark back and the Decepticons bring up Megatron's body from the earth. Right. It's all very forgettable. This is the one, this is how I describe it to you. This is the one where Megan Fox leaves Sam Witwicky because he's going to college. This is the one where the mum takes pot brownies. This is the one with balls on the pyramid. Oh, I remember that bit. Yeah. This is the bit. one where like the Transformers can turn into humans and she tries to yeah. seduce Sam. Um, this is the one where John Turturro is a superstar, megastar. Um, this is bullshit. This is the one where I genuinely was like, oh, do you know, sorry, no idea what happened to my voice then. My number one hate cliche in a storyline is the chosen one. I hate it. Sometimes it does work, Neo, in the Matrix, that works. This one is, he's trying to bring Optimus Prime back to life, but he sacrifices himself to save Optimus Prime and then goes to the afterlife of the Transformers where the Council of the Primes say to Samuel Witwicky, you are the chosen one. Now, give life to Optimus Prime. Go forth and spread our seed. <laughs> so he wakes up from the afterlife and raises Optimus Prime like some sort of Moses. <laughs> Optimus Prime saves the day. This is the one where they're in a desert for no real reason, running across a sandy village. It's the one where the Decepticons like a spider or a scorpion and there's the fight and you can't tell what's what yeah I remember the this is the first one where you're like the desert and there there is a scene where I could not tell you can't tell from is this one the Autobots and I was like I don't know what's happening this is shit this is uh, I can't remember any of the going to the afterlife bit yeah, because he, he goes, oh, you were the chosen one, Samuel Whitwick. And I was like, that's a bit weird that your chosen one for this alien race is a human. <laughs> yeah, I remember, the, I remember the the robot, the Decepticon, that looks like a woman. Yep. And Never then, comes up again, then, don't worry about it. It's like a panther as well at some point, isn't <laughs> Probably. It? Yeah, it's odd. odd I, miss, I miss the days of like when one of them transformed into like a cassette recorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring that back. Uh, and then you've got obviously Dark Dark of the Moon, which I, I think I'd definitely given in by this point. Mate, it's my favourite topic. Leonard Nimoy voices the bad Decepticon. He's sorry, the he voices one of the villains. He gets portrayed. They killed Jacks off. Do you remember? Because Kareem was fucking livid. Yeah, <laughs> they I killed off they killed his favourite. Yeah, and they replaced. Um, but he's got Patrick Dempsey in this one. Has he's got Francis McDormand in it? Oh, he can't win no more. This one, this was John Markovich in it. This one's got, yeah, this has got a really bad storyline where where Sam gets a job with him and he's an eccentric bait. This is bullshit. You do, there's a really cool bit where they go back in time. They don't go back in time, sorry, but the story is why did humans land on the moon? It's because there was a ship on the moon. And when there's, uh, when Neil Armstrong lands on the moon and, you know, they cuts off the dark, he goes to the dark side of the moon and investigates this, this spaceship that's on the moon. That's really cool. But the storyline, I swear to God, in this action-packed film is Patrick Dempsey's family has made a deal with the Decepticons and made it so expensive, the space program is so expensive that they can never go back and investigate that. But on the moon is proof of alien life. Of course you'd fucking go back. It's fucking horseshit and is it somehow even worse than the other one. It's, it's so weird that wank. you know these films so much. I know. And the that thing is, is so weird. The thing is, I haven't even watched them. I think I've watched them that... You know when a film is so bad, it brain damages you. <laughs> And you'll never forget. That's exactly what it is. Glenn Morshower is in it, who's Aaron Glenn, from 24. He's in a lot of these. And he plays General Morshower, which yeah, it's, is it's a like, stretch. It's like they don't even give a shit. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin's in it as Buzz Aldrin. Yep. Told you. <sighs> Mate, I fucking it. it was, you know what? It was shocking because I genuinely, in my life, never thought I would see something where Leonard Nimoy voiced a villain or lived in a world where he directed Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> 
Wow. It's, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't stop because, oh, well, no, then we get um, Pain and Gain, which again, tonally, I just really didn't get this film. I got, I got, Mate, you, I'm with you. So do you remember when we did the Rock episode? I said I really like this film. It's a film where the Rock... Barbecues a hand. Barbecues a hand, but he also isn't the Rock in it. He actually does some acting. You turned me You turned me on this film. I actually, going back and reflecting on this film, the tone is completely not what it should be. It's played for laughs, when in reality it's, it's actually kind of a bad-taste film. Yeah it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a horrific crime, and it's like trying to laugh all the way to the end when it's like no you got the death penalty and I remember watching it being like fucking hell like, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to feel in this film because it's got the Michael Bay um, glitz and glamour and Miami-ness to it and it's got the rock like you say doing things with burnt hands and you know coke on his nose as he's running down the street yeah I've turned you know and, and it's got the gym it doesn't shine a good light on gym culture and I know it's inspired by true true events you know to, to a degree um, but yeah, I just, I watched it and I was like, I don't really get it. I mean, Mark Wahlberg was really detestable in it. And I know he's meant to be. Yeah. But I, that really carried, because I know I've gone on about it on this podcast, about I don't know if I like Mark Wahlberg. And I think a lot of it's down to this film and the happening, obviously. <laughs> Never um, forget that. Happening. Yeah. But I, I I didn't get this. I remember people watching this film being like, oh, this film's fucking brilliant. And I was like, even the trailer of like Mark Wahlberg in a swimming pool and then doing crunches, absolutely sit-ups off like this machine. I was I just, I just don't want to watch this film. I really did like this film when I first watched it because it was different. But having recently watched it, I haven't watched it, having re-examined it through your eyes does make me think this this film is tonally wrong. It's also from that I don't really think should have been, I don't get the point of this film, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'm with you and Anne have actually put it down on my list as a miss, which is weird because if you go back two weeks ago, I was talking about how much I did like this film. Next up, we get another Transformers movie. You're going to be happy to know. I stopped watching them. I haven't seen this one. The Age of Extinction. Is this not the one where Sally Tushi plays Merlin at the beginning? No, that's the first night, isn't it? The last night. Sure. I do believe this is the first one with Mark Wahlberg in, though. So is the is the Romeo and Juliet scene famous? I believe oh, that's yeah. in this one. The completely unnecessary scene. Where it's explained why the man who's definitely a nonce isn't a nonce in the eyes of the law. Therefore... He's a hero. Bear in mind that, that that takes up like time in this film. There's Again. a scene that explains why the man's not a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> Just TJ Miller's in it, Kelsey Grammer's in it. You're right. Mark Wahlberg uh, kind of came into this one. Um I do like the the premise. I remember seeing the trailer. It was like the the Autobots had to hide. And he comes across this truck with like this weird sounding engine. And he's like, I think I think this is an Autobot. <laughs> Think it's Optimus Prime, and you're like, "Great, <laughs> the franchise that won't die <laughs> after having one okay film." I mean, it's still going, and it's still a massively profitable franchise. Um, just going to keep going. Thirteen hours. The, Loved the, it. Yeah, that, oh, the, really the, this that is film. a good film. And John Krasinski movie. I mean, he got in shape for this film. Yeah, he, he got, did the Ryan Reynolds thing when, because yeah. at the same time, uh, or oh, sorry, much earlier than this, but the production company of Michael Bay was bringing out films like Amityville Horror remake. Um, you know, with Ryan Reynolds in it and was like, you know, off Blade Trinity, get abs, wield an axe, people will love you. Um, but yeah, the 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi is a good movie. It's, it's tense. It's a great film. I and, and definitely I, win. I think it was, I think it was the first movie uh, of Michael Bates where 
It went realistic. It went realistic, and I, I felt the tension in it. Um, and, and John Krasinski probably got his action boots from this one. You know, he got to branch out. He was no longer the guy from the office. He was like, he got fucking in shape, mate, and he took out some terrorists. Yeah. I, I like this film. I've planned this up as a big victory. This is well done. And the, what makes it a really good victory is is that it's packed either side. It's flanked. It is flanked. By some bad movies. I don't know um, why I lied earlier and said that that was Last Transformers, because I have seen The Last Night. It's fucking bollocks. That's the one with Merlin, isn't it? Yeah. I believe so. Stanley, no, no, not just Merlin. Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, Yeah. Um, who, if, if there was like a, you know, one of these documentaries where it's like, uh, who are you? And it was like, oh, actually, Stanley Tucci is a, is a direct descendant of Merlin. I would be happy with that. <laughs> fucking, it's the um, fucking, what a sentence you just said. <laughs> Six Underground you, was a clusterfuck. Do you, do you remember in Transformers when Merlin was in it? And then you've got this film, which on paper should have looked good, but... Mate, I lasted 20 minutes. I was done after 20 minutes. This slow, but I'm talking about Six Underground. Six underground. This was not the film that was advertised. It's got an amazing cast in it. Yeah, I mean, it's got Ryan Reynolds as one. It's got Melanie Lauren as two, who I really like, Melanie Lauren. Um, it's got Ben Hardy, who I'm pretty certain played Ben in EastEnders for a while, as four. <laughs> yeah. I think Ben, did Ben Hardy go on to do the Queen movie as well? Did he play Roger Taylor in that? Yes, he did. Oh, did he? No, he didn't play... He didn't play Ben in EastEnders. He played uh, Beale's son, didn't he? Oh, he played, uh, who wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And he played, obviously, Angel in Apocalypse. I mean, that's that's a good career that he's had um, follow, following EastEnders. <laughs> it's better than the Mitchell brothers. We just Englished all over the podcast. Saw Steve, I saw Steve McFadden in Panama once. <laughs> Did, he played Hook. <laughs> No, he didn't. <laughs> he, no, no. He tried to play Hook. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He definitely played the Mitchell brother. They played the Mitchell Hulk. brother dressed up as Hook in Lincoln Drill All. It was weird. I don't know what's going on. Mate, I'm so happy we bridged everywhere then. For you American listeners, you will never understand that reference. Just ignore it. Dave Franco is in this film as well. Um, Six Underground, I was I was massively underwhelmed with it. It was a Fast and the Furious for Netflix. Um, David Barmack about it. It was just, I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about the plot. I like a lot of the people in this film that I just thought were wasted. You don't care early on as well. <laughs> like yeah, you're told not to give shit quite the early set on. Set pieces were annoying. It was at the time as well where Ryan Reynolds was jumping onto that rock mainstream yeah, of started. like, oh, just doing a lot of behind the scenes kind of bits and using his social media as a platform to promote the movie. But ultimately, I I watched it and I remember just being like, this is terrible. Why am I watching? It, it took me like three attempts to get all the way through the film. <laughs> Jesus. Which, you know what, listening to this, you might say, well, that's your problem, Aaron. And you're right, it is. Um, but Michael Bay made it my problem. Um, and I then Ambulance. I haven't seen Ambulance. I have. Ambulance is... You, so just for, just before you say this, I've got seven versus seven. I'm I'm split evenly. I've got seven good films, seven bad films. However, I would like to point out that the problem with rating systems is the, the good films, like Transformers is, a, is an okay film and I've given it a thumbs up. Transformers like Dark Side of the Moon is like four negatives, but I'm counting them as one. So I've got seven, seven. You selling ambulance now determines. Well, and and typically it's a movie that I'm massively on the fence about. It's a <laughs> film that has Jake Gyllenhaal, who I like. It has uh, Yahab Abdul-Mantin in it, who I who I really like. I mean, I mean, he's you know, if you haven't seen the TV series Watchmen, now that you've got your Sky, uh, I'll give it has, go. I'll give it go, mate. Honestly, it's brilliant, and he's great in it, and. You know, Candyman, I thought when he rebooted that, again, it, it, great performances. Um, the problem with Ambulance as a film, 
like with the island, you know, it's like it touches on something and it asks a question, but it, the island didn't really explore it. Ambulance maybe does. You know, you are rooting for uh, anti. No, they're not anti heroes. They're you know, they're people that are not. They're wrong done by in the sense that their pensions and stuff aren't going to pay out the money that they need to survive. You know, they're the kind of the two characters that society has kind of turned their back on that have to then resort to robbing a bank to make some money who take hostage someone who's wounded and an ambulance and it becomes a high-speed chase. And it, it ends Michael Bay-esque, but it does at least ask that question. You've got Yahab Abdul Mantine in it as a as the, the person you're supposed to follow. Didn't want to do it. Is that it has let gone down that uh, a, a way of life, and and had to you know, seen as this was his only option at the time. Jake Gyllenhaal being the more suave kind of like, oh, you know, I need a man for the job kind of thing, and so you follow it through the eyes of Yahab Abdul Mantine's character, and you do care for that individual. You like, he, you know, you're like, oh, you really want to be in on it. Jake Gyllenhaal's a bit more cocky in it, and it's one of the films where what could just be a straight laced chase sequence. In, a, in an ambulance somehow still manages to break away to like how do we get to this point how do we get to the point where we're now at the ambulance oh, that's good so there is out dialogue there is michael bay there though. yeah <laughs> that's and, right. and there's this film as well michael bay got as one of the uh camera operators the world champion drone driver or whatever they're called you know like sky drones unfortunately i know exactly what you're talking about and i, I feel like i'm not going to give a shit <laughs> yeah so he got that guy in to do some scenes with these drones and it's if you don't like 360 shots and slow motion helicopters mm. fuck me like he's like he got this guy in he's like I'm going to use you for as much as possible and it's so over the top you so whereas the actors are trying to really draw you into a story and ask questions and be like how are we going to get out of this dilemma um, you know and how you, and I think as an audience member you know how it's got to end so you just in a way yeah. how, but how do you get there into Splash was like, why is this action just keep taking me out of what should be a really good narrative and letting two good actors do what they do? Um, so it is one of them where ultimately I was like, eh, all right. Do you know what? I think that's actually fair. You know what? We, we Bearing in mind, I've got seven and seven. You'll, you'll have your own list there. If you split them down the middle, you've, you either like them or you don't, basically. So <laughs> you, you've split. His filmography to me, split in half I, yeah look, I, just just reiterate as well before we go on this, we're talking about the work not the person because obviously yeah. the crimes and the the accusations are one thing we're purely talking about his, his work as a director and somewhat producer so I think Michael Bass fans are living in the dark they will say to you Michael Bass crap but they will go buy tickets to Transformers. They are secret fans that don't want you to know. They don't want to be belittled. They they don't want you to mock them for liking Michael Bay fans. But as we discussed earlier, there are many directors out there that don't take chances. They stick to their genre and wheelhouse. We pick on Michael Bay because he's easy. He's a soft target. He's the Adam Sandler of the directive world. And I will continue taking shots because it's easy to do. But he does one thing that I can't do. He can make movies. He can draw a crowd. He's he's got something that I want. I'm jealous of him. Maybe that's why I take shots. So Michael Bay, he's done one of my favourite action films of all time, The Rock. So there is positives. Everyone has a death note. Everyone has an under siege. I think my ultimate opinion is very linear to that in that I think he's done good and he's done bad. I will make the observation that the majority of his good was early on. Yes, definitely. So therefore, I think he's over the good and I think he will now churn out crap. After I, crap, I completely crap. agree with you. <laughs> so up until now, I suppose it's it's fair game, but I mean, it's only a matter of time before the next film comes out and it's probably rubbish. Yeah, it's not so much. Anyway. I think 
I think there are other directors that I'd rather that that clearly have been inspired by Bay. Look, it's all like Zack Snyder. Yeah. There's definitely a comparison there in the work. But Schneider's characters always feel more fleshed out and weirdly more human, considering that some of those are yeah, you know, Superman and aliens <laughs> and stuff. So yeah, I, I I do I do think, you know, you could look at Zack Snyder's career and look at films like 300 and stuff and be like, it's very Michael Bay-esque and they, I know they're produced and they use the same technologies. Do you, actually, do you know what the best way to say it? I reckon the jury's still out on Michael Bay. I think so. I think so. I mean, ultimately, and the, the thing is, he doesn't give a shit what we think. Oh no, he's laughing to the bank of which he has billions and doesn't care about our opinion. And do you know what? We all aspire to be that in life. We aspire to not give a shit. I don't think it's fair to compare him though against the likes of Wes Anderson's. I think Roland Emmerich is the better comparison. But you answer the point I was yeah, making. Yeah, yeah, right? I yeah. Just I just say I think Roland Emmerich is, you know, he's like, I like blowing up the world. I would do it in 20 different ways. Do you know how you feel about Wes Anderson? That's how I feel about Roland Emmerich. Keep, keep his whore name out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Michael Bay, my gut says don't like him, but actually from talking you, about it, you, you deep like, down. I don't like his work, sorry. Yes. Because again, the jury's out on on the accusations made against him as a as a as a as a director and as a human. And we'll never know. You, you and I will no. never hear what we're told, so No. Um but in terms of his work, yeah, I think I, do you know what the crux is? Is the island. I think if you rewatch the island, I think that would sway you one way or the other because you could rewatch it and be like, actually, this film is dog shit. Rewatch it. But the thing is, talk to me, I really do want to rewatch it. Of all the films, that's the one I want to rewatch. A part of me is tempted to go back and rewatch the Transformers franchise purely because it's an episode we could then do. But now that I've said it out loud, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. There's a, that's not an itch I'm going to scratch too yeah. quickly. Um, do let us know what you think about Michael Bay's work. Um, and like you said, guilty pleasures. Let us know. Um, you, you know, it, take away the the easiness that it is to to jab at the man. Mm. And actually, 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 look at that filmography. Maybe uh, do some do some soul searching and find. I think a lot of the problem is as well. We're talking about films he's directed, and I think you'll find the films that really turn you off usually say produced by. Because Michael Bay's name is usually the biggest thing. Even in films that he's not directed, mm. if he's produced it, you're going to get to see that name. And there's a reason for that. It's because Michael Bay makes very profitable movies. Yeah, I mean, mate, don't get me started. If we if we looked at his production list, it's I mean, this, this, wouldn't, <laughs> this wouldn't even be a conversation. He's, he's produced some absolute shite. Yes, I know he has, um, mate. You know, over the years. So, um, yeah, okay, that's our show for this week. Let us know what you think about Michael Bay. Be kind, be gentle, love yourself. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.